like in Florida in February. How you guys doing? We talked to the security people with the sheriff's department, and they're putting a chopper up for security reasons around the uh, around the stadium during the game. And we said, do you mind if we just add a man, you know, and a camera to your chopper? And surprisingly, they said yes. So we've got a chopper during a halftime show. We went into this <clears throat> rehearsal facility. That was okay. It's fine. Okay, it was in a tent and stuff, but it didn't matter. Just a couple of things. Yeah, let me get some music going. Yeah. I feel the need to get a bit of music Absolutely. going. As long as we could work with the equipment, work with our, our guitars and, and stuff, and practice the songs and just know what we were going to do, who was going to be where, just see the layout of it a few times through. So we knew all our moves. The thing was, I haven't practiced it enough times. We'll start this song there. So we just worked and worked, just kept doing it over and over and over again. So it was just set like a program in our mind. This is what we're going to do. We walk up those stairs, we start, we hear an announcement. The National Football League presents... just rehearsed the right amount. Just enough to know exactly what we're doing, but not enough to get it boring. So it still was exciting. So this is where all goes down. Yep. Hi guys. Hey guys. Is that a cue? <laughs> this idea that we're a working band is pretty cool. I think, you know, for the Super Bowl, it's not too much do, 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 do. You know, it's not like choreographed. No, that's uh, the whole... It's weird to react, and it's like it's a bad... Is what but the other take, also, we had the camera on um, Dave, on the drummer. So yeah, I mean, yeah. And, and right now, you only get to see two right. band members. Right. So. You get to see the other two. Tomorrow night. You get to see them tomorrow? Exactly. <laughs> Next year. <laughs> okay. Well, thanks a lot, guys. Right. We're yeah. doing a huge job. Excellent. Well, there you go. This is what I want to say. This is so well. Yeah. I think all these fans in this crowd are genuine, Mark. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. And if they and if they weren't, they are now. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, we got another tune. What are we gonna do? We got, she loves you, yeah, 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 yeah. She loves you, yeah, yeah, yeah. She loves you, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Okay, we didn't screw up the words on that one. <laughs> the words were good. <laughs> the words were great. Tell us about the tour. I'm coming to America on September 16th, starting down in Miami, working the sort of East Coast, across the Midwest. And then November 30th, finish up in L.A. We're going to come see your tour. Okay, Thank you. man, come along. Come see you at halftime. Right, Thanks for joining us. There he is. Don't forget I'm the door here, without a Let's doubt. Let's go. All right, folks. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. England's 
Goodbye, 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 and welcome to another episode of Paul or Nothing, the place to get all of your Paul all of the time. And remember, this is wide screen podcasting. This is wide screen podcasting. As always, I'm your host, Sam Wiles. Thank you all for joining in. I hope you're all well, safe, and sound. Today, everyone, we are making up for lost time. It's as simple as that, if you'll pardon the pun. And it is more than likely that if you are listening to this, then you will have already listened to my rather spontaneous conversation with the Ranking the Beatles podcast, a.k.a. Jonathan and Julia. And so therefore, you will know that that episode was meant to be this one. I had the wrong notes. I went back. I wrote the right notes. And now we are here with the correct notes. But not only that, I have... Not one, but two episodes of the podcast that I'm now really proud of with two guests that I just love having on. I absolutely adore having Jay and Jay on. Hope to have them on in in the future, even if it's just to have another one of our little bullshitting sessions. I know some of you out there definitely enjoyed that episode. Of course, Jonathan and Julia's podcast, Ranking the Beatles, is rightfully very well loved. And if you haven't gone and checked it out, then do stop by after you've listened to this episode, of course. 
But just what is this episode anyway? Well, I'm glad you asked, because obviously none of you out there read the titles of these podcasts or anything. So for your benefit, I shall inform y'all that today we are going to be talking about one of the greatest events in American pop culture. A titanic sports event, a real national milestone, which also just so happens to be one of the many, 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 many gigs in Paul McCartney's career, aka the 39th annual Super Bowl, of which Paul did the halftime show. I mean, you can see how I mixed up the episodes originally. Both of these are important fixtures in terms of the imagery and symbolism and identity of America. And it is important for me to have some Yanks on the show to give you the proper context. Yes, I will have an American on for the White House episode as well. Don't worry. As I always say, nothing too complicated here, folks. We're just going to chat some football, going to chat some Paul, talk about the day as well as the set list itself. Nothing too out of the ordinary. Let's crack on with the housekeeping so we can get there, eh? Housekeeping! Right, what do we have in terms of news for today, then? Well, let's start off by catching up with last week, because a load of stuff dropped whilst I was editing the last episode. First of all, the stats for 3 Imagine slash McCartney 3 Reimagined have come out. And by Jove, it hasn't half done well, everyone. Of course, we got the digital release in the spring, and then on the 23rd of July, it was released on physical formats. We all know McCartney 3, the parent album, did very well, but what about this sister release? Well, sister, in the first week, Imagine was not only the number one vinyl album sold that week, and the number one rock album sold that week, but it was also the first remix album to reach number one on any of the Billboard's charts in terms of sales for 10 years. Overall in the US, it made its way up to the number 19 spot on the Billboard Hot 100, cracking the top 20. And here in the UK, it went even further up the charts to number 13. So, a jolly good turnout all around, wouldn't you say? Of course, this is the part of the show where Ken Michaels would be more than happy to bring up the fact that this is only likely to be a week's success, and that the album, like most legacy artists, would drop off entirely out of Billboard shortly after. But hey, I don't think any of us were expecting this to go to number one or anything, so proportionally, I am more than chuffed. Though what I find interesting is to consider how many of the fans bought 3 Imagined over McCartney 3 or in addition to McCartney 3, because even with the 10 or so plus variations of this album, it still didn't crack the top 10. Now, is this due more to the fact that many of you out there simply didn't care about this album and the music within, or was it more of a result of the fanbase getting wise to the act and just not wanting to fall for the old multiple variants to get me to number one shtick for a second time in the same year? This then brings me on to the next three imagined point, which is the release of the When Winter Comes Idris Elba remix as a single on Spotify. Now, of course, Paul releasing a single in any fashion is something to celebrate, but the fact that this song was originally advertised as a physical format exclusive, something to entice you to buy the physical format of this album to get it to number 13 slash 19, and then having to see it be put out for free, did somewhat leave a sour taste in my mouth, shall we say. I mean, yeah, if I couldn't afford the physical format of this album, then duh, I would be listening to the YouTube rips within seconds of them being uploaded. 
And I probably was a little naive in believing MPL slash Macca himself when this exclusivity of the song was announced. However, I do still feel like they could have waited longer than 11 days to put the song on Spotify. Like, you know, give us two weeks, give us a month of, you know, just having this cute little song that only we have access to. Again, I'm not hating. I hope the song got Paul some exposure and the single was probably released in the first place due to the success of the album. So, yeah, I'm, it, it has to be a positive in that sense. I just like the idea of having a song that only I could listen to legally on my gold little disc of opulence, Sue Me. In other, other Three Imagine news, Paul and his creative team have released a behind-the-scenes doc for the Find My Way Beck remix music video. I mean, the McCartney camp has been knocking it out in terms of behind-the-scenes stuff, as far as I'm concerned, especially the When Winter Comes animation behind-the-scenes. That was just fantastic, wasn't it? And this is a continuation of that. I loved the original music video. I love it. And this was some tip-top accompaniment. Be sure to go check it out, links down below, etc. Pressing on to some Beatles news, two Beatles set lists are expected to sell for £250,000 at Bonham's auction house later this year. Here's a handy quote from The Enemy that kindly sums it all up. It reads, The set lists, among only eight believed to still be in existence, are from gigs the band played in 1960 and 1963 respectively. The former was written by Paul McCartney and is from when the band played at Lisgard's Grovna Ballroom shortly before changing their name from the Silver Beatles to simply The Beatles. McCartney was the band's drummer at the time. The latter, meanwhile, comes from the first of two set lists the band played at the Majestic Ballroom in Luton. It's also written by McCartney, although it is written in all capital letters as opposed to the 1960s set list penned in cursive, aka joined up writing. By this point, the band's classic lineup had been established and their debut album, Please Pleat Me, had been released. If anyone fancies donating £250,000 or dollars to the Patreon, please hit me up. We may indeed have to create a new patron tier and some new rewards, but I think we can make it work. In news regarding another Beatle, Ringo has released a new song from his new EP, Change the World, and the song itself is called Let's Change the World. And... It's certainly a modern Ringo song. Can't really say more than that. I mean, I could, but I feel like I'll just be upsetting a lot of you. And I'm sure many of you know, I simply cannot stand the majority of solo Ringo. Uh, I like some of the earlier stuff, but especially as it goes on, it all just starts to sound the same. And if you like it, good for you, but I ain't going to be raving about or even reviewing this song anytime soon. And finally, folks, some personal news slash news related to the podcast itself. I recently had the pleasure, on a week off from work, of meeting up with friend of the show Andrew Brooks and future Macca in your attic guest slash, ed, uh, slash London editor for Beatle fan magazine Roger Simons slash Simon Rogers. And it was absolutely fantastic, folks. It's the first time I've ever really done something like that. It was very spontaneous. I guess Andrew and Roger have a lot of these days out and, you know, this was just one of them, I guess. But for me, it was an incredible chance to catch up and speak about McCartney in person with some people for a change. We had a few beers in my home city of Birmingham, which was very nice indeed. And 
They shared so many stories that I can and will not be able to repeat on the podcast. Maybe I'll slip them in in future references, but I'll never reference it directly, I guess, because a lot of it is behind the scenes, ooh, he said, she said kind of stuff. But my God, was it ever riveting. And you know what? It was just a fantastic way to spend an afternoon. I really enjoyed it. I really treasured it. Thank you, Andrew and Roger slash Simon for coming up. Hopefully I'll see you again very soon. Thank you for the beers. And yeah, <laughs> I, you know, it was just nice to both feed my ego as well as feed my knowledge reservoir at the same time. It was a very good use of my day. Plus, I actually managed to pick up some Kanye West vinyl just to trigger some of you haters out there rather than, say, buying Flaming Pie, which I totally should have at the time. But oh well. Anyway, go and check out all of my previous stuff with Andrew B slash Andrew Brooks. There's several, I think there's at least three or four episodes of the pod now where Andrew's come on. You can also check him out on Macca in your attic. And that is the same place where you can check out my chat with Roger slash Simon in the near future. Go and check that out, folks. And with that, we are at the end of the news, so we're going to move on to all of the plugs now. To get in contact with the show, drop us an email at paulmcconnipod at gmail.com. I always want to hear your correspondence, your thoughts on the music, your McCartney stories. And hey, if you want to challenge me on something, I'd love to hear that too. Anything at all, no matter how tenuously linked to Macca, drop us an email at paulmcconnipod at gmail.com. For more instant access and direct daily updates, follow us on our Twitter page, which is at McCartneyPod. For bonus written Paul or nothing content, go and check out the blog, which is paulmcconnipod.wordpress.com. Follow us on all of the socials. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube by typing in Paul or Nothing or Paul McCartney Podcast. Of course, the YouTube page now is the only place where you can find episodes of Macca in Your Attic, a spin-off Paul or Nothing show where me and a guest go through their attic and they show me their junk. Ooh, misses. But yeah, you should know the format by now. It's a great little excuse to have someone on to talk about, uh, you know, a, a, a side project. One of the more intriguing side aspects of Beatles slash McCartney fandom. Of course, the real draw, though, are the items that my guests bring on the show. They'll bring me five unique, cool, interesting, rare, expensive, or maybe even just sentimental items, and they take me through their stories of how they got them and what they mean to them. Please, if you like Paul or nothing, if you like what I've been doing here, then go and check out the YouTube page, Paul or Nothing, Paul McCartney Podcast, or Macca in Your Attic. That is the new show, Macca in Your Attic. I might put some of the audio eventually on the podcast feed, maybe like a best of or something like that. But for now, go and check out the YouTube page. If you want to help out the show right away, in a way that takes less than 30 seconds, though, then maybe consider leaving us a review. Yes, on whatever platform you are on, if you give us a like or a thumbs up or a couple of stars here and there, that would be most appreciated. Of course, though, if you want to help out the show directly and maybe even get some benefits back yourself, then please consider joining our Patreon page. Patreon is the place where you, the public, can support independent content creators such as myself. But you do get your money's worth. You get early access to Paul or Nothing episodes by two days. You get you get early access to Mac It in Your Attic episodes by seven days. You get instant access to the Paul or Nothing and Mac It in Your Attic video feed. So anything I record on Zoom goes straight 
on the Patreon and you can see the raw footage or hear the raw audio that may not be released for months. You get that right away. You get access to lost episodes, bonus content, scripts that I use for the episodes, and you even get to vote on upcoming content. Now, one thing I did want to point out is that the Patreon has, in fact, bought something else for the show. Yes, I'd like to report what I'm spending your hard-earned cash on, and I have picked up myself a lacy hard drive for the show. I got a new MacBook last year from my dear mother for my birthday, and already I had filled it up in terms of memory, especially with something like Mac it in your attic and the new video feed for the podcast. That eats up a lot of memory, and so I've bought a nice little personal hard drive to go alongside and it's basically just going to be for Paul or nothing and Mac it in your attic content so thank you very much everyone for that that is a direct impact you've had on my life and the podcast it's always appreciated thank you for chipping in and giving a helping hand of course we cannot continue though without giving direct shout outs to the entire Patreon family so with that thank you so much to Andy Cochran Richard Campbell Kim Christopher Newman, Mrs. P, Roderick Harper, Moti Reber, Robert Shuley, Christian Perry, Richard Driver, Chris Atkinson, Richard Binnington, Mr. B, Teresa Brader, Stephanie Miller, Lou DiLonardo, Cheryl McCoy, Katrina S, Sam Hode, Anastasia L, Robert Carabelli, Warren Butson, and Matt Phillips, who you can also check out on Macca in Your Attic as well. He did make a cheeky appearance. But yeah, folks, that is all of the admin done. It is out of the way. It is time for us to press on with another conversation with Ranking the Beatles, though this one is actually based on a topic. We stick to that topic and we try as hard as we can to not digress. I really wanted to keep this one tight. Let's see how we did, eh? One, two, three, let's go. And now, folks, it's time for me to bring on today's esteemed guests. And whilst under regular circumstances, they certainly need no introduction thanks to their fabulous podcast, Ranking the Beatles, I'd argue today that they literally need no introduction because they were here just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Of course, (laughs) I'm going to be joined by the incredibly cool couple that is Jonathan and Julia from Ranking the Beatles. But just a bit of backstory, there was a little fracas... We were meant to do this a couple of weeks ago. I thought we were doing the White House gig. That's with someone else. Jokes were made off. I think we've all moved past it. Uh, But yeah, (laughs) instead we're going to be talking about McCartney at the Super Bowl. But I'm not going to be alone. Everyone, please welcome back Jonathan and Julia. Hey, buddy. (laughs) Would you call it a a Macca Fracker? (laughs) Do we have a Macca Fracker? A Macca Fracker. I'll let you keep that. It's a Macca Fracker. Yeah, it, it works. It works, definitely. But it also sounds like a kind of crisp product as well. A Macca Fracker. A bag right. of Macca Frackers. <laughs> a nice bag of Macca Frackers. They are, they are spicy. They are vegetarian, definitely. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yes. And for sure. available only free on organic. McCartney's website for £50 a bag, you know, definitely. <laughs> and there's 40 different colours of bags that you can collect. <laughs> <laughs> Sam will have definitely. 30. <laughs> definitely. Now, uh, well, it's good, I've got, to, good to be back, my friend. Thanks for having us back. It's a pleasure to have you back. And I've got strict instructions from my fans for us not to talk about Weird Al today. Apparently we spoke about that too much <laughs> the last time. Was there, was there blowback on the Weird Al talk? 
a couple of comments on the Twitter reached their way to my in, to my inbox, but I don't take well, was like it that like personally we, at all. We came here for McCartney, not Weird Al. Yeah, but um, like, I'm talking to someone later who. Uh, a bit. I was speaking with someone later who I know has got the Weird Al squeeze box, so we're definitely going to be talking about that as well. Ooh. So yeah, okay. Well, we'll uh, we'll, we'll let, it, let them take care of the Weird Al conversation for today. Well, Fair today, enough. at least <laughs> for today. Next time, though, all bets are off, my friend. No, but genuinely, like all memes aside, I really did enjoy our last episode because it was it was one of those lovely little happy accident moments that I know McCartney thinks is a real part of the songwriting process. And <laughs> it's a real part of the podcasting process. Yeah. And if I can delay the off the ground episode by yet another week and troll my <laughs> fan base even more. Oh my God. It's, yeah, never, it's never coming like... out, guys. It's never coming out. You never get to hear me and Ken Michaels unless you paid for the Patreon. Uh, is up there right now. <laughs> I think, you know, just... You know, let people know that like we've done this episode, but then don't release it, and then it becomes like your Carnival of Light podcast, where it's like the hidden jam that no one knows about, but everyone wants to hear. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know what? Now that this is your first proper episode, I can ask you the proper Paul or nothing opening line, which is, "Where are you calling from, and what's the weather like?" Oh, Julia, would you? We are calling in from New Orleans, Louisiana, in the United States. And the weather is hot as fuck. <laughs> that was the original name of the McCartney song, Hot as Sun was Hot as Fuck. I think he wrote it here in New Orleans when they came in September of 64. It's hot as fuck here. Uh, it's miserable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's really, really hot right now. Like I, I don't know the Ooh, I don't know the uh the Celsius to Fahrenheit uh a conversion table. Ooh, I don't know either. But um, whatever balls is in Celsius, it's Gross. hot as that. It's really, really miserable right now. Um, but it's actually quite a pretty day outside. We're not going to go out and enjoy it at all because <laughs> air conditioning is where it's at. So I'm just trying to think of all the things in the in the Linda McCartney version of New Orleans. So we got Creole fish, the craw, crawfish, pra, pralines, Creole dish. Yes. She calls it. And Creole there, like, dish. Think, yeah. And I think we discussed this on Twitter fairly recently with Teresa Verader. I think this came up in the thread. Yeah. Like, there's nothing called Creole dish. There are Creole dishes, <laughs> but there's no actual meal called Creole dish. Excuse me, can I have a, can I have a Creole dish? Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, which one? Um, I think she I think she calls out po' boys, red beans, jambalaya. I don't know. It's all the... Oysters all on the a half shell. Shape. Yep, yep. Bourbon Street's got its own smell. Yeah, it's got its own smell. That's a very true line. Oh, yeah. yeah. She, she obviously does. had some experience with that. <laughs> no, the, the, and I'm the, sure the, it smelled worse like back then as well. Oh, like, yeah. It's, they, they've done a little bit of work to clean it up. But it still smells terrible. Yeah. 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 Things got bad after the, the uh, production for Treme left town, I guess, you know. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it, was, it was bad well before Treme. It's actually probably better post-Treme. If you've never been to Bourbon Street, and this is well off topic for Paul or nothing already. No, um, no, this, this is it. We're back, we're back. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> How would you describe it? It's kind of a combination of... Like sugary drinks. Yeah, like stale sugary drinks. Shitty alcohol, beer. Yeah, shitty like stale beer. Maybe a little bit of like vomit-ish. Yeah, a sprinkling of piss. <laughs> Just, <laughs> Just a sprinkle. A kiss of the piss. <laughs> um <laughs> And, and then, a little bit of cleaning 
product. Yes, yeah. And then hot. Yes, and it's oh. all been sort baked. Of like baked yeah. into. Yeah. <laughs> and after about 30 seconds that you acclimate to it, you just proceed with your, your time. Yeah. But it's definitely its own smell. Yeah. Uh, it's a thing. It's always been that way. But I've got to imagine that it was probably worse in the uh, in the 1800s uh, and, you know, before modern day uh, plumbing. plumbing and yes, hygiene totally <laughs> back when uh, when plagues ruled the world. Wait a second. Oh. We're there again. Oh, shit. <laughs> it got real dark for a moment. Sorry. <laughs> and on that note, yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it's It's definitely an experience. Yeah, def- definitely. Uh, at least we have established that you are a part of the new world, I guess, because that's going to be a very important part of today's episode. Yeah. But before we go into that, though, and I'm sorry if this is a massive spoiler alert, but I, I couldn't resist. I'm guessing Julie is going to be one of the last episodes of your podcast, right? I mean, it can't not be. It's not top 20. Only do, because... Do I need to leave the room or do I need no. to... <laughs> No, it's do you, fine. Do, I don't. Do, do, do you need five minutes? I mean, I have no. zero feelings about his list. Like, <laughs> I have I'm, look, I'm no just emotional project- investment. I'm just projecting my own vanity onto this. I really am. Like, <laughs> it's like if, if there was, if if I had a partner who was doing a Beatles podcast and there was a Beatles song called Sam, like, and it wasn't like top three, it'd be like, this could be an awkward <laughs> Christmas dinner. <laughs> It's it's a bit of a bummer song. It's a downer like, song. It's, yeah. it's very pretty. Like, it's very gorgeous, it's and I I do really like it. But there's a point where you get to, I don't know, maybe your top fifty, top seventy five, where it's really really hard to rank. You know how like how much you love like these songs. Like there's a point of the list that got really really difficult. Um, and yeah, this is 56 you, and this is 57 clearly yeah <laughs> it's very much a matter of like you know gun to my head what would i rather hear you know like and, and, and it's it's tough to place those and some songs you just like have to kind of leave behind because you know coming up you really like this one more but no i, I do love that song it's a very good song it's one of the few i've never learned to play on guitar it's a very tricky picking uh, finger picking pattern, and I've just never had the gumption to sit down and do it. But maybe one day I will, and I'll serenade you uh, under the moonlight. Yeah, please don't. <laughs> like that's probably your saving grace is that you never learned it and never tried to like woo me with it because yeah. I would have been like, "This isn't gonna work. I'm not that kind of girl. Please don't." Yes. <laughs> Oh no! That is that's accurate. <laughs> I am really, not a sentimental person. <laughs> a really embarrassing I feel like we'd like story, to crush you, Sam. <laughs> no, a really embarrassing story has just come to the forefront of my mind. I feel like a Vietnam veteran remembering Da Nang. Oh my god! Okay, so <laughs> you look like okay. Lieutenant so, Dan right now, like you're shell shocked about something. <laughs> but Lieutenant Dan, you ain't got no legs. Yeah, magic legs. <laughs> you got magic legs. Oh my goodness! <laughs> Wash your socks, Forrest. Yeah. No. <laughs> so, um, at the end of my last year of secondary school, we kind of commandeered this Catholic getaway camp in Taizé in the centre of France. We just got a coach. 10 days, £130, probably $200, you know, mm-hmm. food and like land paid for, uh, electricity, that kind of thing, toiletries, 
really great formative life experience, yada, yada, yada. I had my very first kiss there with a girl <laughs> called Julia. And uh, she uh, was uh, and she was German and she was very, very beautiful. And I remember I was a little bit love drunk. And at one point I started singing it and it was the worst and it was the uh, I got such a bad negative reaction of it. And like I just my thinking about it now, it makes me want to tear my heart from my sternum. Like it, <laughs> oh my god, I, I don't know why because it was the least sexy thing I could have done it in that in the moment. <laughs> like me flexing I, uh, my 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 Woody Allen arms would have been a, like a sexier move <laughs> in that in that moment. I feel, but I feel it in the pit of my stomach for you. Like I'm oh like oh god, god, I feel like I've been there before. Yeah. I've yeah. got that thousand yard oh. stare now. You weren't there, man. <laughs> you weren't there. You didn't see what I saw. Seen some shit. Yeah, <laughs> seen some shit. Oh, uh, baby <laughs> Sam, that's rough, man. Down out, down out, down out. Don't fuck the fall. Oh my god. Sorry, that was Beat so it's traumatic. Playing in your heart now. So traumatic. <laughs> <laughs> um, Julia. Are there any songs uh, called John or about a guy called John that you have in your head that you that you associate with with the other half? Are there any songs about John? So. Maybe like uh, We John. Love You, John. Oh yes, we do. Johnny's mm, birthday from all things must pass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You've never gotten into that one for me. <laughs> yeah, I'm just I mean, there's songs that I associate with you, like at points in our relationship, but yeah. not anything having to do with your name. Sure, mm. sure. So. Yeah. We'll leave that mystery though. People can write it. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> now, folks, we are going to move on to the topic of the day, which I was really kind of hoping was never going to come because brace yourselves, people. I am not a sportsman. I am not an athlete. Okay. I am not a fan <laughs> of sport. And yet, my unbridled love for all things McCartney has forced me to cover a Paul McCartney sports event. I'm going to be sick in this hat at some point in this episode, I'm sure. But yeah, this is Paul's performance during the 39th annual Super Bowl halftime show. May God help us all. So my two Yankee Doodle <laughs> compadres, uh, are either yes. of, of you fans of American football? I'm guessing you can't help but grow up around it over there. It's, it's very much around you, especially football is really big in the South too, I think. Especially college football. Yeah, really, college really football is very big. And we actually have a team here, the New Orleans Saints. So we grew up as football fans. Like our, you know, like my dad and my uncles have always been really big Saints fans. So I grew up like watching football with my dad on Sundays. I would usually like watch the noon game and then sleep through the 3 p.m. game because <laughs> it's like perfect napping noise. Yeah. I don't know why. Like just made me very <laughs> sleepy. Yeah. A lot of that occasional, like, like little whistles, but yeah. Just, no. I think at this point in our lives, we're probably more Saints fans than like football fans. Yeah, uh, I don't like, watch anyone else. Yeah, we, we basically just care. watch the Saints games, and that's about it. I don't think we actually watched the last Super Bowl. Oh, I haven't watched the Super yeah. Bowl. I don't think since the Saints since the Saints were in it. I yeah. think that was the last one I watched. <laughs> But it's definitely a um, a very massive presence in the culture of America. And I was trying to think of what to compare the Super Bowl to, because it's very much like emblematic of the like American uh, superiority complex of like the winner of the Super Bowl is the world champion. <laughs> but 
the World <laughs> Series of baseball as well. Yeah, the World America. Like yeah. it's yeah, it's very strange to me. Yeah, and that's always been. I remember asking my dad like, well, "How are they the world champions when they've only played teams from America?" He's like, "Well, that's it. Like that's all you got." So it's very strange in that way. So I guess maybe like Premier League champion, but then again, like I don't think any of those. I don't think any of of international football matches like this or championships have like a halftime show with this kind of like mm-hmm. massive entertainment thing. Like, it, is there anything else like that that, I, that I'm not thinking of? No, <laughs> I mean, you, no. as, like, let's ask the guy who's like, you I might, like you might have like <laughs> the Royal Variety performance or something like that once a year, but that's not a sports thing. Like, like this is almost like taking like the opening ceremony of an Olympic games mm-hmm. and shoving it into the middle of a, of a game yes so it's, it's very much its own thing and a lot of people will only tune in just to watch the halftime show if they don't mm-hmm. care about who's playing yeah it's so it, it's always kind of like and the commercials oh, the commercials are another commercials, big thing yeah. like, oh the trailers like millions of dollars oh my yeah. god yeah it's like a million dollars a minute or something to advertise during the Super i think Bowl. like for 30 seconds is like a million dollars 30 seconds um oh it's, it's it's absurd and it like might be a minute though I think it's I think it's 30. I could be wrong. Yeah. They're very expensive. Yeah. And they usually put like a massive creative team to make it funny and memorable. So um oh thank you. That always happens. <laughs> they they usually put together like a massive creative team to make it funny and memorable. So the the commercials are historically like very good. And so a lot of people will just like if they don't really care about football, they'll just like be in the kitchen while the game is on and then pop out for the commercials, yeah. watch the commercials and then sit for the halftime show and then go back to like talking in the kitchen or something. It's a very like communal yeah. thing. Like you have friends over for it. You know, people typically have like a viewing party. And so it's always kind of a thing. Um, you know, Do you have to also, pay to watch like, it? Is it, is, is it on public television? Yeah, it's free. It's on regular broadcast television. And it's kind of like the thing of the year in terms of like major television vision events the halftime shows for the longest time were kind of like the apex of like your an artist's career like when you do the halftime show you are typically the biggest thing on the planet or at least like one of the biggest things because they they definitely hit at you know when mccartney comes around in 05 they definitely hit that thing of like we're going for legacy artists who have untouchable unimpeachable you know credentials um are just you know upper echelon top of the heap things so it's it's like the big you know bright lights entertainment thing and conversely if you don't want to watch it there's always interesting encounter programs because people can Mm. you know stations can say let's do something really interesting because it doesn't matter if people don't watch this like the puppy bowl we tend to watch the puppy bowl (laughs) which is like the greatest hour of entertainment (laughs) on television in my mind (laughs) please what what the what the puppy bowl the puppy bowl is on the animal planet uh channel it's usually i think sponsored by purina the dog food company i think think. so maybe and they take uh rescue puppies and they have a big set built like a little like it's like a little tiny football field with cameras all around and like water bowls and they just let eight dogs play and like there's a referee calling you know, different fouls on things. <laughs> like it's, it's very silly. It's the silliest thing. It just, it's an hour of going, oh my God, it's like, oh my God, oh my God. It's yeah. a lot of squeeing and just being 
you know, mouth agape at how cute puppies are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's kind of the best thing in the world. Would attending it be more akin to a proper day out experience than just attending a couple of hours of sports match then? Like it's a... The Super Bowl? Yeah, like there's... Um, is there like yeah. a surrounding circus around the stadium? Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, there's usually like... So we host it in New Orleans on a fairly regular basis because like New Orleans is like one of the great tourism cities of America. Um, we are really great at entertaining people. It's just kind of like part of what we do here. Um, and we're built for it. Um, you, got, you, so got, you got a big stadium, then I take it. Then. We have a huge stadium, and we have the infrastructure around the city to host large events because uh, there's always like, you know, a lot of like uh, corporate parties and, you know, celebrity parties and all these different like events that happen. But, you know, getting tickets to the Super Bowl is kind of like winning the lottery, I think. Um, They're very expensive. They're very expensive. They're very limited. Um, They're hard to get. And, you know, and it's not like just going to the the Saints game because it's not necessarily in the town of the city or it's not necessarily in the town of the teams that are playing. It pretty much never is. It almost never is. Yeah. I think it was this past year, actually. But I didn't want I think um, you're right. But yeah, so it's definitely like, it's an event to get tickets and go to the Super Bowl. And it's, I know when they had it here, there was like the Super Bowl experience like outside. Mm-hmm. And and that was, I think that was all free. And it was just, yeah. it was, I think it's a lot geared towards like kids, like that part. Uh, and it's like, you know, different sort of like football things that you can play around outside, like little setups and stuff. And they might have like some players. Yeah, they'll have players out there doing like meet and greets or yeah. like you know, football clinics and things. And, and then there's your like fancy rich people parties that are like invitation only that sort of exist around the event, like after parties and pre-party, you know, all of that. And you'll have things like, you know, like Puff Daddy throwing a party with, you know, Rick Ross playing or like Pepsi is doing like a thing with the Foo Fighters or something like that. There's things like that all over town when yeah. they do that. Um, so it's it, a lot, it, and well, the, and the weird thing about it also, and it always ha- it happens here. I, I assume it happens in other cities as well. When they announce the Super Bowl will be in your city or in any city, it's usually I think four years in advance, three or four years in advance, and cities like compete to win the Super Bowl. It's kind of like um, it's kind of like The Bachelor, like everyone's competing for the hand of the Super Bowl. Yeah, you have to like bid. You have to like do a bid and like and like a presentation of what you want to do. And so they do all these like quick fixes around town to like hide all like the blemishes of problems in town to make it really pretty for a month for everybody to to come, you know, down to new Orleans or Miami, wherever it's going to be, you know, they always do this like quick fixes and try to fix all the potholes as quickly and cheaply as possible. And then, you know, a year later, everything that they've fixed has broken again <laughs> because they put like the cheapest, shittiest Band-Aid on it that they could get. But they've spent all this time to do all this work and then it's just, you know, disposable work. So it's a strange dichotomy when yes. the Super Bowl comes to town. Yes. But um, the money it brings is great for uh, for the service industry, uh, hotels, things like that. Like they make, you know, people people in those industries, you know, that's, you know, a huge influx for them. So it's a big, big to do. Like, I don't know that there are many other things as big as this in America, as far as like its impact financially. 
Mm. Or and even how, how how that extends to you know television viewership. Yeah, I guess this is the part where, as a Brit, I point out that uh, it's called rugby. Football is a game <laughs> that you call soccer. Very similar to rugby. <laughs> Your game is too long. It, it's it, it stop and starts all the time. <laughs> I, I can't focus on 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 what on what's going on. I still don't know who this John Madden bloke is, but he's got like twenty <laughs> video games in my country for some reason. You know, like next to Halo 2. I'm like, what's this? Yep. <laughs> All I know about the Super Bowl, really, for being honest, is I know Homer and his friends crashed the Super Bowl one year uh, in The <laughs> Simpsons. Right. And I know that the Miami Dolphins at, at the Super Bowl was a key part of Ace Ventura Pet Detective. <laughs> <laughs> yes. yes the Laces out. Yeah. Laces yes. out. Yep. <laughs> oh, uh, I love oh, Ray Finkel. Reference. Yeah. <laughs> Finkel is Einhorn. Einhorn, Einhorn is Finkel. <laughs> then that means. Oh, and then the movie gets problematic. I yeah. to know about the crying game. Oh, goodness. <laughs> Oh, good no, times. When I was a kid, it was all about the bit where he's sliding the door and just screaming <laughs> and still it cuts that. his voice off. Yeah. Oh we have a, a sliding door in our bathroom, and you were like brushing your teeth one day, and I just kept doing that. <laughs> so it's, it's still all about that. As I feel like there's 40. also a couple of times where you've done to like our nephews, like, can I ask you a few questions? I don't, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. Excuse me. Yeah. May I ask you a few questions? <laughs> Of course. Oh my god. Yeah, you're a bunch of boys. You so love much. like <laughs> but jokes. But jokes. Yeah, right up your alley. Oh <laughs> uh, it's like an even more immature, sillier, like Python level of comedy where it's just like oh yeah. It's yeah, so yeah. dumb. Yeah. <laughs> Here's just a, a few stats about the Super Bowl in the year of the McCartney, according to the Chinese New Year calendar. It was the 39th annual Super Bowl, of course. It was held on the 6th of Feb 2005 at the Altel or Altel Stadium in Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, the first time the Super Bowl was ever played in that city. According to the ever-reliable Wikipedia, the game was close throughout, with the teams battling to a 14-14 tie by the end of the third quarter. Whatever the fuck that means. <laughs> <laughs> Rather than another famous act to go against Macca, though, the signature national anthem, arguably best done by Jack Black, was <laughs> performed. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was great. It was by the U.S. Military Academy, U.S. Naval Academy, U.S. Air Force Academy, U.S. Coast Guard Academy, and the U.S. Army Herald Trumpets. Goodness. Wow. So, so I mean, and McCartney's still upstage them, I'd argue. According to Wikipedia, it was watched by 86 million. According to McCartney's own website, it was 144 billion. So oh, the truth is geez, somewhere Paul. in the middle. Paul's yeah. almost doubling the viewership. Come <laughs> on, dude. He's to tossing in some YouTube views on there. Mm. Yes, definitely. <laughs> that sounds great. Definitely. 140, I love it. Apparently the performance was broadcast in over 200 countries, though, uh, which is still pretty... You know, impressive for a guy who apparently isn't popular at all and doesn't sell records at all, apparently. <laughs> right. <laughs> Let's talk about some other halftime shows, though. What are some of your all-time favourites? Because I think we kind of have to put this show in yes. context, you know, um, um, without without mentioning a certain controversial one. Well, yeah, you kind of have to we'll mention to that. that. Yeah, you have to mention that, but we'll, look, I guess we'll come back to that. Um, other favourites, uh, I think Prince is my favourite. His is probably the best... Thing I've ever seen. If you've never watched that halftime show, 
uh, it's truly something special. That and the performance is generally under 15 minutes. I think it's I think it's 12 minutes, somewhere around 12. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have to pack as much impact into those 12 minutes as you can. And in that time, Prince goes from let's go crazy to all along the watchtower into the Foo Fighters best of you. For like two seconds, yeah. Right, yeah. which is incredible. Yeah. And then <laughs> Purple Rain, as it starts raining, like pouring rain, and of course, like everything is illuminated by LED in purple, it's literal purple rain. <laughs> it's fucking incredible. Yeah. And the dude is, is. this dude's in like six inch wedge heels in the rain, just shredding. And it's amazing. It's one of the, like, every, like, we watched it while prepping for this episode and just watching that video for like the umpteenth time. It's like chills watching that performance. It is incredible. Paul obviously is up there on the list for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought The Who was great. The Who get bagged on a lot for their performance. I thought um, they were good. It's quite low in a lot of those online rankings. It is. Obviously. Yeah. Which, you know, I went back and watched it and I think it's really solid. Like, I think it's a great performance. Is it the best thing they've ever done? No. But it's definitely miles better than, like, the 1988 Blues Brothers and Disney characters, you know, bullshit that they put together. Oh, yeah. no. The one for me, it's uh, it's the Aerosmith, NSYNC, and Britney Spears. Oh, yeah, that's just tr- it's garbage. It's so dumb. Like, yeah. And, and, and you know what? Steven Tyler still dresses like that. That's the, that's the thing. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I've got to have two tassels on the microphone. I've got to have a long flowing kind of lace thing. That, yep. And I've got to have, it, it just shows my nipples either side and it goes down to my navel. <laughs> and then I do this, like Iggy Pop for half the show. It's, uh, it's so annoying. It works well for uh, Justin Hopkins of the darkness though. Um, it does. Oh, who dear. else? Michael uh, Jackson's was great. Um, that's Beyonce. when they started going like we need the big act. that's when you they know, went big guns they... and the greatest thing about michael's was like you know it starts off and like there's nothing more important than the children of the world <laughs> it's, right? I'm, not, but like, I'm, I'm not a boop you know uh, <laughs> but the yeah. greatest thing about that show is the first like minute and a half he stands perfectly still and does nothing. No, it's longer than that. There's it's nothing. Much, it's like no, it's like four minutes. I it's swear, really it's really like incredible. Minutes. Like, Wild. and but it's still like mesmerizing. You're like, he's not moving. This is incredible. Tom Petty was great. Uh, Beyonce, Beyonce was, amazing. was amazing. Yeah, Lady Gaga and, was really and good. And Destiny's Child. Yeah, yeah. Madonna. I think Madonna's is probably my favorite. Yeah. Uh, I, I just I I just think she crushed it. I think it's a great set list. I mm. loved all of the performances. And then for some reason, Nicki Minaj and CeeLo Green came on. I was like, all right, whatever. Because <laughs> <laughs> like uh, there's that kind of other set list they do where they're like, we we, we haven't got enough confidence in the A list here. Yeah. So we're going to bring in a couple of they bring in some people. Here. Yeah, and that's a more um, modern thing. I think like that's happened in the last like few years. I feel like that's become. Yeah. More the trend of like smashing people together who don't always make a ton of sense on paper, but like their songs are all real popular, so they know it's going to work. Like the other year, like it was Maroon Five and Travis Scott and like two other people, and it was just like this seems like a lot, and I feel like we're just jamming too much in here to like maximize impact. But um, I don't know. who's ever gone? I, w- I really want to see Phil Collins, Christina Aguilera, Enrique Iglesias, <laughs> and Tony Braxton all together. 
brought together finally for one show. I had a dream like that once. (laughs) (laughs) It was a fever dream. Yeah, they're getting a little wild. Spider. Oh my god! But um, I guess though, uh, this brings us on to a very controversial Super Bowl halftime show, and something I relish is asking people who actually lived through something rather than just going through some secondhand book or Wikipedia article. So there was some sort of to do about a nipple uncovering with one Janet Jackson. I hear. Yeah. Yeah. And that was the year before this one. <laughs> yes. Uh, which I yeah. think we were at your parents' house for that. I really? feel like we were there watching that. Wait, what year was this? Uh, this would have been in 2004. 2003 or 04. Yeah. Well, yeah, Paul's was 05. So this would have been yes, 04. Yeah. So right. we were together. Yeah. I don't remember. I don't remember watching it in real time. Yeah. I like I remember it happening. Like I know it's a thing <laughs> that happened. I don't remember watching it. I kind of had this vision of like standing in your parents' living room, but everyone else milling around doing other shit, not paying attention. That and me going, me. Oh, oh, that's not great. <laughs> like shit. But that could have been what happened. Yeah. Because I feel like your parents were not into Justin and, and Janet yeah. at the time. I was probably somewhere eating snacks. Yeah, <laughs> so that's good not your time. Yeah, if you hadn't seen it though, uh Janet Jackson was the halftime show artist and then Justin Timberlake came out and they were doing I forget what song but at the end of it he rips off this uh, part of her top and exposes her breast and nipple uh, which had like some kind of uh, metal metal <laughs> thing on it like is like, it like pierced? Is it like pierced? Nipples? I think it I yeah but I think it had like a big like surrounding thing on it. Okay. Like it was like um like a mosaic, not a mosaic thing. What's the word I'm looking for? It reminded me of a like a mandala, badge. like a mandala type thing <laughs> oh, on her. It reminded you of what? A sheriff's badge. <laughs> <laughs> was it like a? Or like a, I, I it hear about deputizing. <laughs> <laughs> it looked like there had been like a pin that went through the nipple, and then this thing clasped on top of it, and it looked kind of like a mandala, like roundish type thing. Okay, but did um, it cover her whole nipple? The areola. <laughs> Have, we, have you ever gotten deep into nipple conversations? Are we right? Everyone, zoom and in hand. <laughs> zoom in, zoom in. Rotate thirty to thirty degrees. And now focus. I think it covered the there surround of the nipple, but the nipple itself was coming through. Uh, okay. Okay. Anywho, this was a, kind of a, a big to do because um, you know everybody blasted Janet Jackson for it, and as you look back on it in hindsight, you realize like. Justin Timberlake was like, I wanted, I wanted my nipple. I didn't do shit. And like, he like skated all the blame for like years uh, for being, for even having like involvement in it. No one really seems to know for sure. I think like what the actual like intent was at the end of it, but my God, a nipple got shown on TV and like 1 million moms and like all these people like complained to the, uh, the FCC and whatnot and filed, you know, lawsuits for mental anguish over their children, seeing a nipple and all this stupidity. Um, oh no, a nipple. And, and let's not forget <laughs> like two years ago, Maroon 5, that dude's got both nipples out playing moves like Jagger and some, you know, subjecting us to that garbage for 12 minutes. So, so his nipples are fine though, apparently. <laughs> Just send Miley Cyrus from a couple of years ago back to right. 2004. <laughs> well, I mean, oh. now it, this might 
fly on what they do now. Maybe we've achieved a new uh, a new time in nippledom with the Super Bowl. I don't know. Uh, probably not. <laughs> probably not. Probably not. Uh, as long as it's a woman's nipples, we can't see that. But yeah. men's nipples, fine. But yeah, so this was a really just comes deal. out topless. <laughs> Great, Paul was just like, let's do this. <laughs> let's have them out. Um, so yeah, it was it was a strange, weird time of people being really upset about this nipple thing. So the next year when they were booking the talent for the Super Bowl, they wanted, you know, the family friendliest, you know, least uh, threatening, least offensive, safest option. And uh, they went for the guy who went on TV and told everyone that he took LSD, but maybe you shouldn't do it. Uh, and <laughs> had been po- busted for possession of marijuana three times. But now he's America. He's everyone's favorite granddad. So it's cool. <laughs> and he's, and he, he's going to perform a song with a direct marijuana reference in it as well. Right. <laughs> for that, yeah. The California grass. We're not going to talk about that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and I, I love I think, there, Did you watch like there's like an NFL films documentary on the making oh, of, so of the Super Bowl it's show so for him. Good. And there's like a press conference for it. And they literally ask him, you know, you know, how does it feel when you first came to America in 1964, you were like presented as like the symbol of moral decay. And now here you are as Mr. Family Values, you know, to you know, save us all from the dreaded nipple. Uh, <laughs> you know, you're now Mr. Safe Guy. And he's sitting there just like he's probably got, you know, a dime bag of weed in his bag you know, backstage. He's like, well, should the check cashed, So I'm here. Uh, I found that really funny that someone was like, you see the hypocrisy in this, right? And he was just like, yeah, <laughs> I'm here. So, but yeah, it's very strange. Yeah, it, it kind of reflects the set list as well. And we're definitely going to uh, talk about that shortly as as well, because he's definitely gone for a, a very safe choice of songs as sure. well. But to shake things up, I actually found something on Paul McCartney uh, Project.com, the creator of whom I had on a recent episode of Macca in Your Attic. Go and check out that. And this is the Super Bowl diary written mm. by uh, Paul's then US publicist, Paul Freundlich. Freundlich? Freundlich? Uh, it's, it's uh, yeah, I'm not very cultured. I'm sorry. Classic American um, name. Yes. Yeah, there was Truman, Roosevelt, and Freundlich. Smith, yeah. Uh, Smith, Jones, <laughs> and Freundlich. Yeah. We have to find out who the spy in the Miami Dolphins is. <laughs> Let's just quickly open with the opening entry from this diary. 11.49 a.m. Thursday, February 4th. I've just ducked out of an eighth floor meeting at the Ritz-Carlton on Amelia Island to begin. The homework assignment I've received unexpectedly about 45 minutes ago over tofu with Paul. A diary has been requested for no particular reason, mind you, to highlight our moments leading up to the Super Bowl XXXIX between our heavily favoured New England Patriots and Philadelphia Eagles. It's to be written as if it would be a letter to my wife. Tofu with Paul <laughs> sounds amazing, right? <laughs> it's got to have something else with the tofu, though. Like, you're not just eating just tofu. It's always part of a dish. Like, tell us what the whole dish was, Paul. Was it like <laughs> tofu and curry already sauce? Already the diary's not detailed enough. This is already bullshit. Already. When I read learned my wife, I don't just say, <laughs> I had meat today. <laughs> Today I eat beef. Only beef. I had vegetables. <laughs> I like the phrasing though. It's definitely part of that McCartney romantic familial lifestyle mm-hmm. that we're all led to believe. Yeah, a part of you know. of a tofu with Paul. Um, 
Now, as much as, as I'd like to cover Thursday, Friday, Saturday, it's mostly just ancillary trivia. So we'll just cut to Sunday, February 6th, 8.30. I'm awoken, thankfully or not, by a phone call alerting me to specific stories that have broken in London concerning an open letter to the media written by Paul. The letter addresses the true story behind several smaller stories that have run over the course of the year with the overall thematic that Heather is controlling Paul. The letter from Paul posted on Heather's website, Defensor. I speak with our UK publicist, Stuart Bell, and inform our team on the matter. We agree again that the letter is so eloquently written that it needs no follow-up. I'm concerned and wondering how to handle this matter with Paul. It's decided that we'll wait the day until telling him. That will weigh on me throughout the day. I don't like keeping things from people. It's great to see that we already see, like, entry, you know, X in this diary, Paul's team are not completely honest with him all the time. Like, right. we need this Super Bowl gig to happen. We can't yeah. have Heather stuff happen. Right. Well, um, I think it's smart because, you know, this is the kind of thing that's done live. You know, like, there is no, you know, do-over. Uh, so you need to make sure that everything goes off without a hitch. And maybe you delay some not great news until the flight home. And that's fine. I'm sure that's probably par for the course on a lot of things. Whatever makes the it's show nice go that. off well, I think, is most important. Mm. It's nice to see that, that Heather and her shadow looms even over the Super Bowl. Like it's that, it's and, that far, far-reaching. It's, it's funny because when I watched that documentary, I realized she's not in it at all. Like I don't remember. She's there. I don't think she was there. Yeah, yeah. And I, as I can't remember where they were there. in the relationship at this point. Like it's just. That detail's not been important to me, but I did notice, like, yeah, oh, she's not... It's definitely pre-divorce. Yeah. Uh, the divorce was 2008, so I guess if Paul's defending her in the media, th- things must still be in reasonably high spirits, but as always, the fans will always turn on his partners before right. he does. Right. Yeah. Oh, goodness. Woof. So he wrote now a letter that was posted on her website the same day as the Super Bowl, or Stop. had that been... Up like a few days uh, before the, the day before the day before i think okay yeah. interesting stop not about my wife please <laughs> <laughs> I've, got, I've got to go play a, a small a small little gig in america <laughs> i'm a very intimate gig to do <laughs> and, uh, I'm, definitely not, I'm not gonna fudge the numbers yeah <laughs> 144.4 0.4 that 0.4 is can't forget that. That's important. I mean, that's yeah. that's a small market right there. That's Jacksonville itself. <laughs> oh, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, Jackson. we lost Jacksonville. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, we have a glimpse in what it really must be like to control a crowd and simply move Paul from one place to another. 4.50 p.m. Bus takes us to the base of the stadium. As security promised, we get on a golf cart, which takes us to the stadium, passing a marching band, waving fans and ground crews. The elevator to the first floor is a waiting area at the base, and it's clear. We're told that we'll be going to our left into a holding room. It is exactly as planned, and we are on time. The doors to the elevator open, and it is wall-to-wall commotion. Pandemonium. Fans are all over the place, and Paul is quickly whisked into the holding slash makeup room. It's total anarchy and chaos. I look at Robbie and Barry, and what I presume is Fox's head of security, who assures us that he has enough security to take us through the crowd. He is adamant about it, but nobody seems to follow his lead. There is chaos and commotion, and screaming fans chanting for Paul, Paul, Paul. Unbelievable. The situation is unsafe. Two words come to mind. Holy shit. We get there (laughs) safely. 
5.30 p.m. We've made it to the corporate box that has been provided to Paul by the NFL. Paul seems genuinely concerned about what's just happened. Obviously, how could anyone blame him? His safety is first above all else. But man, it was a great rock and roll moment. In all seriousness, <laughs> something like that could turn ugly, couldn't it? Like, for sure, for sure. There have been dozens of cases where crowds could either like end up getting crushed or people mm-hmm. can get trampled on. Or like, has there ever been a case where like a, a rocker has been like mobbed by his fans like zombies and they've torn him limb from limb or anything <laughs> like that? Has someone ever been hurt by their fans? I don't know. Um, have you ever seen uh, the monkeys film Head? Are you no, are you I'm, into the monkeys I'm, at all? I'm gonna, not particularly. Uh, I mean, ever 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 since I found out on the Simpsons that they don't write their own songs. <laughs> That's not even Michael knows. March, March, March didn't believe it. No. <laughs> um, yeah. So I will defend the monkeys to the end of the earth with you. But they made this really artsy, weird film in 1968 called Head. And it's a lot mm. of commentary on kind of the um, disposable nature of pop stars and also like the intensity of fan adulation. And there's a bit in the film... Also drugs. Also, they're all on the ton of drugs. Um, <laughs> there's a bit in the film where they do a performance of a song, uh, like an actual live performance. They're playing live because they actually could play live. And then at the end of the, of the performance, the audience rushes the stage. And like it is made to look... Mm-hmm. And this is all intentional. It's made to look like you know the audience is consuming the group. And then... Uh, it gets this like this very like fast cut of like girls like frantically grabbing at like their shirts and their sweaters, and oh then God. like all of a sudden like mannequins start getting like mannequins in their same clothing are getting like pulled limb from limb, and people are like grabbing their hair like the, the hair off the mannequin and grabbing arms and legs, and it's meant to be this very kind of like you know kind of artsy fartsy depiction of the, of of that exact thing of uh, just kind of that crush of tearing apart your uh, your idols or whatever but um i don't know if it's ever happened in real life that would i mean that would be there is, that'd be murder there is someone sure. on the uh, yeah. there, there is someone out there on the mandela effect subreddit or like forums out there going do you remember that time the monkeys were torn apart limb from limb <laughs> and they were killed do you remember that i do i'm from that universe that's me <laughs> that was real i saw it i was there it happened yeah. i mean not yeah. a musician but you know, we just watched that documentary on Netflix yesterday. Yeah. The was the malice at the, the palace, palace yeah. like the basketball game where a fan threw a, like there was already sort of like a dust up on the court, and a fan threw a drink from the stands, and Ron Artest, yeah, is that his name, like bolts up into the stands to come after him, and and then it just turned into a whole melee it was a whole thing the documentary is very interesting you should watch it i'm not even like like i'm not i don't watch basketball really like it's sort of lost on me but it was it's only an hour and it was like a really fascinating look into the sort of like fan versus um sort of entertainer slash athlete kind of dynamic and how all that exists mm-hmm as everyone is human. Um. <laughs> it plays into the whole, like, you know, shut up and dance monkey dance uh, thing mm-hmm. and how, you know, sometimes people, you know, view an artist or an athlete or somebody as, like, a 
like a trained, you know, circus seal that just does whatever they want them to do. And then they can throw peanuts at them. If they, they remove just, their humanity. Yeah. 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 They take away their humanity. And then, you know, in this particular instance, the player Ron Artest is having kind of like, he already has like mental health issues in the middle of this fight. He's kind of having a bit of a moment and like lays himself onto a press table to like count to five to try to like do what his therapy had told him to do. Uh, which uh, seems strange to people that didn't know what he was doing. And some schmuck like launches a beer from about 10 rows back and hits him right in the chest. And dude just snaps and like charges at this guy. And it's all, I guess it's, it's terrifying, but like, it's a whole other conversation, a very yeah. deeper conversation. And fans um, end up coming onto the court. At, like, so it just turns into this whole huge thing and it's complete pandemonium. So like, yes, that is a very dangerous situation where, that sort of wall of protection and separation between someone that is very famous, like trying to do their job and people sort of invade that space. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that can absolutely turn very dangerous. Scary. I mean, his bandmate. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, I, hate, I don't want to bring that, you know, like, think of, like there's a ton of videos from, you know, 63, 64 where fans rush, you know, somebody rushes the stage and like, you know, grabs John or grabs Paul or George. Like how many videos have we seen? And like Mal has to come out and like grab the person and drag him off. But it's like that, like on steroids, you know? Yeah. But thankfully, you know, well, you know, oh God, this also is getting, Florida. This is getting dark too. <laughs> yeah. like, I feel bad. I feel like this is getting dark, but like, <laughs> that's what happened to uh, Dimebag Daryl from Pantera. Like somebody like uh, jumped on stage and killed him, like shot him. Oh, is that what happened? Yeah, that's how he died. Yeah. Oh wow. So like, I didn't there that. are there are a few cases of that kind of thing, but not so much like massive crowd rush, you know. It's like a zombie apocalypse, though, isn't it? Just all those arms, yeah, right? Like, <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Like coming at you, and it's like, what do they want to do when they grab you? Just right. like bring yeah. you into the into into the fold, and you just see this hand disappear slowly into, into the crowd. Like, yeah. And also, like, him? that event sort of lends itself to uh, this very, like, Hysteria. charged yeah. energy mm-hmm. plus drinking. Yeah. Uh, you know, so it's like a, it's even sort of like a different environment than, like, just what would be his regular fans at a concert. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Because they're, like, not there for him. I mean, I'm sure some people, maybe some people were, I don't know, but it's still like a different crowd than just would be like at his concert. So yeah, no, this, this crowd's definitely probably suffering from CTE more than anything. <laughs> uh, it's a very aggro uh, vibe. Usually at these kind of games. Yeah. They're not there to like, I can't wait till Paul does his acoustic set and plays black bourbon here today. And no, like they want to hear like, the rock and roll. I'm you know. on a rock! Everyone's like inner monologue is just Twisted Sister. <laughs> <laughs> As my best friend Danny calls it, the best stripper song ever. <laughs> <laughs> I can see that. Yeah, okay. I can see that. Okay. I'll have to play that later. Uh, <laughs> Jesus. We're you growled the last time you, 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 you were on as well. Oh, we're a so growly funny. couple, Sam. Uh, not a couple. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I'm a growly man, Sam. What can I say? I'm a growler. A growler sounds like a, a strange title. I'm a growler. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a growler, baby. Yeah.
Oh my god. <laughs> I'm a growl. Yeah, no, in in a British accent, it does sound better. I'm a growler, baby. That's really? very awesome. Oh. Power. Yeah. <laughs> it is. Oh goodness. Thank you, Basil. I feel like this is good that <laughs> okay. we we got real dark for a second and now we've taken it to Austin Powers. So things are sunny again. So <laughs> let us proceed. <laughs> do you miss Tom Bagdarrell, baby? Do, do you lose it? Make you rainy. <laughs> <laughs> this is my impression of Don McDarrell. Right. This is what you sound like. I believe. I kind of wish you would have. Oh, goodness. <laughs> that was too much. 6.40 p.m. The game, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> the game starts and sides are immediately drawn. Members of our party declare their favoritism and much like the 80,000 assembled, it seems split. Some of us are for Philadelphia and some for New England. Even but though Paul rooted for New England at <laughs> at the last Super Bowl, I never get a sense that Paul roots for anyone in this game. He just seems to enjoy the spectacle of it all. We'll stay to the end. That's probably more insightful than anything in the entire diary. Like mm-hmm. the, the publicist going, I don't think Paul gives a fuck about this. That's really cool, actually. Yeah, yeah. He's just, you know... He's, Paul's he, just thinking about the, the gig. That's all Paul's He's doing. there for the gig. He doesn't care about the game. He just wants everyone to have a good time. Yeah. yeah. See, for me, like, that. if I were, you know, playing this event, and I've I've been in a band that's played at some sporting games, like college games and things like that, like, if I'm there for, like, and there's a team I'm supporting, like, I'm not there to, like, appease the other team's fans. <laughs> like, screw you guys. Like, if... You know, if I had gotten to play the year that the Saints were in the Super Bowl, like if my band had played at something at that game, like Colts fans could have could eat it. I'm there with my Saints jersey, and yeah, you know, we're doing this. <laughs> yeah, but you also like I got skin in the game. You have to so. meet like Paul has none. He's like right. I don't even. Know. I'm not even American. <laughs> <Right>. He's <laughs> this like, isn't football. <laughs> He's like, where is Philadelphia? No, but it's not I actually made up. <laughs> it better not actually be made out of pig skin. <laughs> it's a vegan football. Imagine if, they, if he, that was like his like one requirement was you have to use synthetic leather football. I think it isn't it now. I it's think it, it's leather. actual leather. Is yeah. it really? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And at some point, someone has to say twenty-two, twenty-two, hut, hut, and then <laughs> throw it back, and then and then everyone and then everyone causes mental illness in the future for their families. It's, it's all it's all part of the game. It's all part of the game. Yay! Um, <laughs> obviously, though, Paul does take sides here in the UK. He likes Liverpool teams in uh, the UK football, in soccer. Both the Liverpool teams, you have Liverpool Football Club and Everton Football Club. Though, Paul will favour Everton if the two play each other. Interesting. Okay, okay. Which does he, is, uh, is he ever seen at matches? Like, does he actually go to matches? He doesn't do the national anthem. I don't think. No, I mean, I mean, does he actually like? Is he ever like in a like seen like yeah, in attendance? You, you, and and he won't even be in a box either. You'll just see him in kind of a more of a cornered off, expensive seating area. Sure, I sure. guess. But he'll but he'll he'll be there going like that, doing his way down with the flag. <laughs> yeah, so That's cute. Fine. Come on, come on, kids, turn your phone off. That kind of thing. <laughs> Then we come to my favourite part of the evening. 8.40pm, the stage has moved out onto the field. They say it was going to take six minutes. It's taken four minutes, 38 seconds to get into place. I'm sure you've seen dozens of behind-the-scenes featurettes of this kind of thing. It's like clockwork ants. It's insane the way they get to put these stages in such a short amount of time. It's a rehearsed, because it's all volunteer workers. 
Like those are all local really? volunteer workers. They're, and they're usually led by actual like union stage crews and people from the artist crew who all coordinate this together. But the labor of like moving things and and getting things into place, that's all like volunteer workers, which it's like a pretty cool thing to get to do from what I've from what I've heard. But they rehearse this for like a week. Like you take like a week off of your job. You are at the venue. <laughs> you're like you're like in a rehearsal venue and then they move it to the stadium or wherever the game is. And they rehearse this as much as like Paul's band is rehearsing the time of this show. The actual like on field crew is rehearsing this assembly because it's got to be done fast. It's got to be done safe. There's so many moving parts. You got to make sure like no one gets run over and trampled. You know, everything's got to be plugged in. You know, every, like the stage has to be built correctly and safely. Otherwise, something could happen. I mean, it's a very like major uh, production. It's really in- impressive to watch. Uh, I'm just mesmerized, especially when they do like a time lapse of it as well. You mm-hmm. see it coming to, come, 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 you know, it's like when the T1000 forms out of that puddle in the. In the, <laughs> in the Have you seen this boy? <laughs> uh, my favorite quote from that movie is, you know, when he goes to the parents, it's a good looking boy. Do you mind if I take this picture? <laughs> no, actually, <laughs> you, so you creepy ass policeman. Yeah, yeah. Why don't I keep oh, this photo? Even, even, even as a kid, yeah, no, never like that one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually quite impressed that these stages are as sturdy as they are, like because they look quite thin and rickety, and you'd mm-hmm. expect like you know Prince Stampy just to put his heel through it all, like right. you, know, pull, you know, someone to you know be rocking and fall off into the crowd. It, it never happens, uh, and I think that is a testament to the fact that not only are the people who put them together rehearsing as well, like Paul in the documentary, he's like, you know, I walk up here, someone says something. He doesn't even know what they're going to say. Just someone's going to say something. Then mm-hmm. we turn this way. We bow. We play this song. We turn this way. We bow. It's, it literally is like clockwork. Yeah. And, uh, and also like there's, especially with pyrotechnics and fire and things like that, there's a safety aspect that everyone's got to be aware of where to be and where not to be. You know, like in something like this, where it's not a stage that they've played, you know, 500 shows on. Uh, it's something that's built for this. They have to know where those marks are to be. And also, like, that's where your cameras are are aiming for. So, like, everything is very meticulous on this. It's always really impressive to see how it's put together. It's interesting you should mention cameras because that's going to come up in just a second. But we cut right to the gig now, 845 and the writer here, Mr. Freudlich, he uses the word flawless across all of these notes, but only once here, I believe. <laughs> Drive my car is flawless. Get back, absolutely rocks. And I can't help but think that the NFL censors may have missed Jojo and his California grass. Oh. It appears it won't be the only one in the, in the newspapers that day will point out the lyric in countless stories. Love that. Live and let Dicey Kills is based on one of the best live songs ever, supported by a fireworks display that is second to none. The other 50% of the fireworks that we didn't see in the dress rehearsal arrive in grand fashion. The helicopter catches the explosion 30 feet above the stadium. There's the Hey Jude, na na nas. The 12 minutes pass in a flash, and I'm left wishing for more to uh, mission accomplished. We're getting into a little bit of Derek Taylor territory here, I feel. Uh, mm-hmm. I feel like the, the guy writing this has been a bit too close to Paul for too long. He doesn't know how much of a sycophant he's being at this point. Yeah. Uh, I'm not saying that's a negative sure. or like a false review of that show, but a little bit overblown. Uh, a little huff, a little huff and puff. <laughs> yeah. But I couldn't imagine being there, you know. It and makes that, and the that's read. You can never take right. away. 
Yeah. I think I was it, say, it, you can't do that for many of these shows. Yeah. And I, I think his diary makes the read as fun and interesting as the show, which is a pretty interesting thing to like go back and read it. And then you're like, I really do want to watch this now. Like this sounds like an amazing show. It made me, I think, appreciate the, um, all the moving parts of it a lot more than I probably had mm-hmm. just watching it the first time or in real time. 11 p.m. I enter a car with Phil, Robbie, and Michelle, and immediately Robbie tells me what has happened to him. Firstly, our director, after multiple alerts to secure a particular shot of Paul from the stage, has missed that specific shot. <sighs> Robbie is furious. Second, he's been told that the DVD that Paul has requested for viewing purposes is not available. Robbie tells me that he has gone nuclear on Don. <laughs> uh, he tells them, tells them off for the security screw-up back at the Fox booth earlier in the evening, uh, and then they finally secure the DVD for showing Paul. But, uh, yeah, lots of, uh, you know, uh, ancillary uh, behind-the-scenes people all yelling at each other because Mr McCartney's tuna sandwich isn't quite right. A lot of, lot of dick-measuring competitions backstage here. <laughs> When Paul Definitely. wants a DVD, he gets a DVD. Did he immediately want a DVD of the performance right after he finished? Is that what happened? I guess I want, I want a lithograph of it. I want, I want one of those spinning <laughs> things. You know, you know, you know, the horse. That I want that one. One of them of the whole performance. I'm guessing he like wanted five point one surround ride. sound. Like, because this is at eleven something p.m., so the game is over. Mm-hmm. So I'm guessing he wants it for the plane ride home. To watch, I think they're going to they, they're, they're, they're be watching it at the after party. I'm more curious about what is the shot that they wanted so badly that they did not get. Like, what is just like a, a, tight, a tight up crotch shot? I want my tight still there, baby. <laughs> <laughs> like a very uh, Springsteen. Oh, dude. <laughs> Did you watch the Bruce Springsteen halftime show? I should have put this in my list of no, favorite shows. Oh, I haven't watched okay. that one. Is I'm it good? Not, I'm not the biggest Springsteen fan. I, I, I don't dislike Springsteen. I just, I've never like delved into the catalog all that much. Let me guess. A lot he of does respect. in the USA. Uh, I think he does. I think it starts with it, but he doesn't do the whole thing. I don't remember. But he, <laughs> he comes out and he like gives a monologue to the camera and he's like, you watched it at home. Put the guacamole down. It's time for rock and roll. He says, put the guacamole down. It's hilarious. I'm like, what is, what you have a problem with What's wrong with the guacamole? It's nachos. So, but they're playing the show and there's a camera on side stage and Bruce comes running full steam and does a knee slide, right? Dick first, right into the camera. Like crashes into the camera. It's hilarious. It's one of the funniest things. Like America <laughs> just got like Bruce Springsteen's junk right in our faces. <laughs> it's amazing. I would that I'm hoping that was Paul's move. Hold my guacamole. Oh, <laughs> yeah. uh, it's so good. It's great to think though that's something so important to these executives back then. You know, that was so important and so you know integral to their lives in that moment is a minor trivia piece in a podcast episode years from now when, when we're just looking back at the footage. It's 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 perfect as it is. I can't imagine what that shot is and why it matters. Like they so probably much. those two guys, Paul's guy and whoever from Super Bowl production, probably have beef to this day and would never speak to each other. But no one could say what that damn shot was. And it probably made absolutely no difference to the presentation of the show. Look, just come, just, we want you at our wedding, please. Just don't talk to him <laughs> when you're there, come on. 
We'll put you on different sides of the room. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Last entry. 12.45. As Wicks is to leave, as he has the earliest flight out, Barry grabs Robbie to show the DVD. He doesn't want Wicks to miss it. Paul grabs a chair in front of the television, with most of the band at his side, and the rest of us stand huddled around the set, eager to see the fruits of our collective labour. The moment of truth. It's good to see the second time around. Paul is smiling. The band is singing along, all whooping and hollering. Mission accomplished. The tape ends, and regardless of that shot the one that Maisha didn't get. Paul stands and toasts the crew. He thanks all the room, praises the toughness and quality of our team in the trenches and the creativity of lighting director Roy Bennett. And the party roars on. Apparently, uh, Paul didn't leave till 2.40 that night. So, Whoa. Uh, wow. Yeah. Animal. And he was playing jazz standards with the band that were on that night as well, which sounds huh. pretty cool. I bet he's a good after show party hang. Yeah. Like as 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 we get a little bit older and not like quite as wild in our party ways, I bet a McCarty party is probably a pretty good time. Do they fly commercially? I think probably his band probably does. Oh, oh. Well, I mean, come on, <laughs> come, these guys have. I been mean, with you. the drummer's a big guy. He's flying coach. He has to take about oh. two seats. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, I mean, so... Also, shame okay, on the NFL. No. Get a chartered plane for all of them. I, okay, my, my bet is, you know, if Wix has, like, an early, early flight, he's the only member of the band that is British. So if he's going back home because they're not on tour, mm. he's probably got... Different time zone, yeah. He's, he, he's in Jacksonville, which I don't know if they have an international airport. He probably has to go to Miami or somewhere up, like, New York or Washington or something. To fly Maybe up he to had England. to be home for something special. Maybe he had a thing, so yeah. you never know. Yeah. Like, look, I can do the Super Bowl, but I gotta fly out at like I want to. I'm, I'm sure when uh, the band is like gathering for things, you know, they get there, and then once they're in the in the tour routine, everyone's flying private. Okay. <laughs> I'm I'm very disappointed to hear that. I don't think it's as bad as you think. It okay, is. I yeah. hope not. I don't think. It's as bad. <laughs> Because Paul has only only two kinds of nuts here. Are you kidding? (laughs) (laughs) Where's that sandwich? (laughs) First they don't get my shot, then they don't give me my DVD on time, and now I'm flying commercial (laughs) with no tofu. What is it that? What is it? The drink that Paul likes. He mentioned it in interview. The margaritas. He's got one at the end of the at the end of the documentary. He's got his margarita. Like this dude likes his margs. I love that. I love that that's his drink he's, of choice, the margarita. He's a Jimmy Buffett fan, definitely. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just, uh, when he comes to the States, he's hanging out at only Jimmy Buffett, Margaritaville Hotel and Casinos. <laughs> <laughs> I just love the idea of him in like a hammock or in a deck chair on the on the beach with one in each hand. Absolutely blasted. Yeah, in yeah. Margaritaville. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, how depressing that would be to walk across Paul at the beach in, you know, <laughs> Gulf Shores, Alabama. Lips Can you imagine him in, like, flip-flops? <laughs> like yes, because he always wears those goofy uh, American flag Crocs everywhere now. Oh. <laughs> He's got American flag Crocs. That's so weird. <laughs> Why American <Just> flag? Like, <laughs> he probably got oh, them at, like, the sorry. beachside, uh, you know, the little tchotchke stores that they have next to the beach that sell the towels and the airbrush shirts. <laughs> The American flag crops. 
I'd have forgot my Crocs. <laughs> Did he get them in Jacksonville? <laughs> Probably. That's a very Jacksonville thing. Very flat Crocs. If if Jaws is anything to go by, then every American beach is just filled with stalls that just sell American flags. You know that is kind that of is. That's oh, not that yeah. Movie, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We uh, we went to um, we went to the beach a few months ago in Florida, not in Jacksonville, different part of Florida. There was a lot of uh, what we call Murica things, <laughs> just like everybody selling everything covered in stars and straps and. A lot of Trump flags and weird things it's like very, that. It's very patriotic. They're very patriotic. You know, I was thinking about this today, actually. I wanted to ask you this, and this is unrelated. There was an ad today. It was when we were, we rewatched the halftime show this morning. And there was an ad on YouTube for Budweiser's patriotic summer cans that come in <laughs> red, white, and blue stars and stripes patterns. And, uh, I was wondering to myself, must have them. does any other country <laughs> do this? Like... <laughs> Is any other, like, is, uh, I don't know, what's like, what's the Budweiser of, of English beer over there? Probably, well, is is Budweiser the cheap, bad one of the people over yep. in America? Yep. Uh, uh, Carling then, Carling. Okay. Budweiser's quite quite premium over here. That's actually. the funniest thing. We went over there and I was like, imports Budweiser, 10 pounds? Good God. <laughs> but like, so would Carling be like, you know, and, and granted, our flags are the same colors, but would they be like, we're going red, white, and blue for the summer's game? Like, you know, like. No, but for like the British Olympics, they would probably have a Union Jack can. Sure, but so. okay, so that's Olympic theme. Like, I could get that, but is it just because, like, you know, I don't think in France it's like this Bastille Day. <laughs> have a, you know, what the. <laughs> All of our Merlot comes in <laughs> red, white, and blue bottles this Bastille Day. Like, I don't see that happening. So that's your baguette, onion, and striped shirt and beret today. <laughs> at, <discount Yeah>. <laughs> at the bike shop. Next to the bakery. At the have cigarette depot. <laughs> have you heard of that 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 like psychological condition called Paris syndrome, where people who come over from Japan to Paris get depressed because it doesn't live up to their romantic ideals? And it's specifically no. people from Japan. I'm not no. making this up, and I am going to cut it out of the episode regardless. <laughs> it sounds iffy. But uh, that's a real that's a real thing, yeah. That sounds like Paris that could be a, that could be a McCartney song. Ooh. It sounds like it could be a Sofia Coppola movie as well. Yeah, you know? like Bill Murray. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a Wes Anderson film or something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I still can't remember what ScarJo told me. Yeah. <laughs> so let's close things out with the discussion of the set list itself. Yeah. 45 on the 6th of Feb 2005. We start off with Drive My Car. That's the girl what she wanted to be She said, baby, can't you see I want to be famous, a star on the screen But you can do something in between Baby, you can drive my car Yes, I'm gonna be a star
This is number 183 in your rankings. <laughs> I'm not expecting the most glowing review here. I'm not that fond of it either, though. It didn't have the immediacy that I was hoping from a gig like this. And I think yeah. they missed out on starting things off with a proper bang. It, it just kind of goes like... Oh, okay, I guess I guess we've started now. And it right. does build up to a, a, a nice point that is very exciting, but... You know, the, the the only thing that I'm really positive about here is the fact that Paul's voice is immaculate. But yeah, he sounds that, great. Yeah, they yeah. swap this song out, definitely. I'm with you on that. Um, what would you have rather heard? Oh, well, so I've got, I've got a couple of options for the opening song. I'm thinking either Back in the USSR, I Saw Her Standing There, or All My Loving, three proper crowd pleasers that have that. You know, that yeah. kind of kick things off and everyone's like, ooh, what's this? You know, this is fun. I didn't even think Drive My Car would be that well known in the, in the, in the States. <laughs> it doesn't even start your fucking copy of Rubber Soul. Right. So, <laughs> right. <laughs> that one did make much sense to me. Um, I'm with you on that. Um, I found that a strange choice as well. I do think uh, <laughs> there's some humor in the idea of, of back in the USSR as the opener, especially nowadays. But... I didn't think this is the best opener either. I kind of was thinking uh, maybe a hard day's night because you get that initial mm. bang and then a hard day, and then you're in. Or I saw her standing there with my other choice. Um, but I think also there's a very American viewpoint, I think, um, outside of like hardcore Beatle fandom where you have, and it's, it's also kind of like a masculine thing, I think, of guys who think early Beatles stuff is too wimpy you know it's it's not rocking there's like, no early stuff here you're right yeah there's none of that and so this is kind of like it's it's in that middle ground where it's not the early wimpy stuff and then it's not the trippy druggy stuff so it's kind of like he's aiming right up the middle for like middle America Joe Average you know you're gonna know this song everyone knows the song even though it's not a single uh it's not like a hit but everyone still knows drive my car and you know, the target demographic of this game is the middle America, the average person. So I think he's just aiming fastballs down the plate. Like what's the best thing I got? I I do think, you know, something with a bit more oomph at the top would have been better. So I'm still going to say this was not my, my choice for the open. But also there's so much oomph later that it is, right. it might be a nice balance to start out. Like it's mm. a jam, like it's a jam. It's, it's peppy, mm-hmm. it's fun, um, but it's like not quite as in, as intense as the songs to follow. So he's, yeah. he's like setting you up with that middle of the road, getting you a little excited. What's he gonna play next? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, I do also think the band is incredibly tight on this track. Like they sound oh, yeah. so good, and like the mix on it is great. Um, and that was one of the things I really noticed was like this band is on fire. Like, impressive. They're so good. Do we think there's any Wings Over America kind of post-work, post-production on this? Or do you reckon this is what everyone heard I think at the show? this is as live as live can be. For my money and my experience and what I feel confident in uh, being able to tell uh, when I watch these kind of things, I'm pretty confident that this is live. I don't think there's backing tracks. I think it's, you know live everything you know watching uh especially when you watch abe when you watch the drums it's a giveaway that they're live um mm-hmm. so i think you know i don't even think vocally there's there might be some in real time 
pitch correction maybe, but I, I'm not hearing anything that's like sounding super synthetic to me. Like it sounds like the band's just at a good point and he's at a great spot vocally still. Like he's nailing it. I think it's just a great live performance. No, what I do like about modern McCartney backing vocals is that you can tell it's clearly the band singing and it's not some pre-recorded backing track. Like when Beyonce was live, I'm like, is that the six girls in the back there? Yeah. Or, like, or is that coming out of speakers? I can't quite tell because she's just dancing now. She's clearly not fucking singing. Right. And, you know, Paul Paul never has that problem. He's just standing there going like that mm-hmm. for three hours. Yeah. <laughs> or in this case, 12 minutes. Before we go into the next one, though, are, are you shocked we had no Blackbird, no Yesterday, no quiet little acoustic moment? Or is that just not suitable for the Super Bowl? Doesn't fit the moment here. You got to you gotta come out just blasting. And I think, you know, I think the goal of this is just maximum power, maximum entertainment value uh, as quick as possible. And the energy is so important in these kind of things. Uh, that's why all these Super Bowl shows typically are like, Big bright lights, big moving parts. Um, you know, I think you've got to be guns blazing the whole time. Yeah. I, I think the only place where it might work is like, you know, Prince kind of in the middle of segueing between things when he did it like uh, all, all on the Watchtower into Best of You, there was kind of a moment where like the segue was a little on the more mellow side, but it was kind of more of a breakdown of the song than like doing a quiet song you know like he kind of just they mm-hmm. worked the jam that way and that worked because that was more just in the context of performance but if he had done like a real quiet you know acoustic thing i don't think it goes over no. in this kind of moment does yeah. not land you're never going to have bjork or enya doing the super bowl you know just doing all this kind of right <laughs> just the atmospheric lsd trippy stuff yeah um, <laughs> that'd be interesting on our, to our second track, though, we move on to Get Back from Let It Be. surrounding this song at the moment I feel as a community because we've got the documentary coming out shortly but Mm -hmm. even as a person who's been scorned by a particularly crappy version of Get Back when I saw Paul and Ringo and Ronnie Wood for some reason do it live I think this is one of the best I think it's one of the best live ones in the canon there's lots of versions of Get Back to choose from Uh, none of them have lived up to the you know the rooftop gig of course but yeah close close second place I really I really enjoyed this one I enjoyed it. Um, I feel like I'm talking a lot here. You're fine. Sitting back. So you're <laughs> you're good. Okay. You're good. Um, 
I think this. Please man, mansplain it to me. Right. Let me tell you, Julia, <laughs> my thoughts on. It. Um, I think this is where I start to notice that the design of the stage is kind of awkward, and it kind yeah. of starts to bug me because they're not presented as a unit like the way you see a band. It's it kind of looks like what what game was it? Oh, was it like Trouble? Yeah, remember? Did you ever play the board game Trouble? Where you've got like the bubble in the middle, and then four little offshoots, oh, offshoots on it. That's called. That's called something. Oh, it's not called Boggle over here. It's called something else. Man, and you like continue your. St- I'm going to mute my mic. Continue. Okay. And like you know, you, you press the bubble, and like the, the dice bounces in it. That's kind of how the stage looks. And so you've removed the ability of the band to interact together which I think is kind of weird um, because now everyone's just playing to like themselves. So that kind of makes the energy a little strange to me. And it's something that it just kind of like irked me in, you know, in my opinion of it. And I, I think they, this is a great performance of Get Back. I agree with you on that. What I think is weird is there's so many moments of Get Back that are guitar solos or piano mm-hmm. solos. So there's moments where the focus isn't on Paul which maybe that's what he is going for here, like to give the band a little love. But there's a moment that kind of make the song like lull a little bit, just in its natural creation. I've always found mm. when I play Get Back with my band, it's kind of, it's a great song to listen to, but it's kind of boring to play. Cause there's just moments mm-hmm. of like, don't, don't, don't. You're just kind of like chilling on this little bit. Mm-hmm. And there's moments where the song just doesn't quite go anywhere. And it's also like, once the song is in, it's kind of, you, you kind of don't go anywhere with it. Like there's a couple little breakdowns, but it doesn't have too much of a build to it. Um, and I think with the intention being to like hold everyone's attention, there were moments I found myself like going, you need a drink? I'm going to grab a drink real quick. I, I, know, I know what happens here. I'll be back. And I feel like at a halftime show, when you're not always playing to your fans, you want to like make sure that you're keeping them sucked in at every conceivable mm-hmm. moment and two guitar solos and a keyboard solo kind of risks that. But also I'm being like super fucking nitpicky about this. <laughs> so. Well, this is where the kind of, well, the, um, the uh, not rehearsals, the sound check kind of bites this show in the arse a bit because you do see it in that behind the scenes documentary and they do Bam on the Run. I think this yeah. would have been the perfect moment for them to do Bam on the Run as flawlessly and as tight as they do but okay mm-hmm. sarah sarah live and let live shall we say because obviously <laughs> we're going to go into uh, the only track uh, that represents his decades long solo career <laughs> the, non- the non-album single live and let die the bond song the oscar winner kind of obvious why this one was chosen <laughs> an open book You used to say live and let live You know you did, you know you did, you know you did But if this ever-changing world in which we're living makes you give in and cry Live and let die
me, you, you probably thought, ah, you know, fireworks are fireworks. How many can there really be? This is possibly the biggest pyrotechnic display for this song yeah. ever put to ever put to film. Maybe like private shows and stuff. I don't, I don't know in other stadiums, but this is certainly in the top three, I guess. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, this it's, was very like just perfect for this audience. Like, oh yes, men, sport. Fire, yes. Just like, yeah, like just completely appealing to you know your target audience that's watching this game. Smashing um, beer cans off their heads. Exactly. Yeah. Lots of like high fives. Bro, yeah. USA, USA, USA. <laughs> exactly. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean the, this this was like a total gimme. Like, obviously, he's going to do this song with all the fireworks and the pyro and the explosions and and nails it. I like reading our our collective notes here where I wrote down what you said. Dicks of fire. (laughs) (laughs) Because it's just like big phallic flames shooting up everywhere. Um, I think he's in great voice on this version too. Like, Mm. when he hits the... Like, there's no like moment of like getting his breath before it. He just works his way up to yeah. it and just nails it. It's so smooth. I'm just, I remember even watching him, just like, Jesus, like, it's unnatural what this guy can just like toss off. No, I think it's a great version. I love at the end of it, he does, I don't think he does it so much now when he kind of does like that stand up and play thing that like Ben Folds does a lot. And he's just kind of like rocking out at the piano. It's like, yeah, Paul, get it. Like, as I'm looking at our notes, and my last note here is, fuck that rock balls. What a great version. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's, it's what it's probably one of my favorite versions of Live and Let Die. It's really, mm-hmm. really good. No, I really feel like he's trying to reclaim it from Guns N' Roses, like the big American band here. Because <laughs> yeah. it's one of their heaviest versions, and it's slower. The pace is noticeably a little more sluggish. Mm-hmm. This and I think they're just really like hammering the keys and yeah, playing the notes, really going for he's it. He's getting at it, yeah. Now, as I look back I here on, um, on my alternates, which we, we missed alternate options on Get Back, I had maybe Can't Buy Me Love, or yeah, if we... Or get Back. Yeah, instead of Get Back, or if we had gone with The Hard Day's Night for the opener... Maybe I saw her standing there. Yeah, it's so strange that, that there's no early representation here because yeah. I would have thought, you know, beat you know, Beatlemania, Hard Day's Night, chasing chasing them, and you know, mm-hmm. fans having to be carried out. I would have thought they'd love that. Yeah, but uh, I guess not. Uh, though it should be no surprise that the final song here was "Hey Jude." Thank you, Super Bowl. All right, sing along. Hey, Jude, don't make it bad. Take a sad song and make it better. Remember to let her into your heart. Then you can start to make it better. Hey,
as trite as this sounds, I, I feel like I said this at least once an episode. This is one of those songs where there really isn't much you can say. It's Hey Jude. He wants to do it both for the crowd as people going to see a show, but also for his own ego. He wants to hear 80,000 Americans going, and I can't have a go at him for that. He does it. It's it's flawless as always. Sorry to quote Mr. Freudig there. Flawless. <laughs> Maybe yeah. the shortest version ever of Hey Jude. It's yeah, I noticed that. Like I felt like I'd I'd skip the, a bit a bit in the video, or I'd like had a fugue state or something. But when, no, when we first watched it, when we first watched we like, watched it, we started prepping for this. I was like, did I doze off for a second? Because <laughs> it was late when I, I had. Have I had a stroke? I was like, did I fall asleep? Half a fucking coke. Hey, I'm back. I'm back. It's fine. <laughs> good, good. But yeah, I, I don't know how he could not do this um you know and part of me is like did i need to hear it no but i don't know that i'm the target audience for this but also like you kind of have to do this if you're paul i totally get it like it makes perfect sense of course no uh this is this is what he was born to do uh, I know, will. People love this song. They do. People fucking love this song. Like yeah. they go nuts for it. Whenever you guys play it, everyone's out of their seat. They're dancing in the street. They're singing a lot. Like they love this song, and they yeah. love to sing it, and they love to participate in it. And if I have the chance, never will. But if I had the chance to have eighty thousand people sing a song that I wrote back to me because they all <laughs> fucking know the words. You bet your ass I'm going to do it, and I'm going to bask in it. Yep. <laughs> like, hell yeah. I do love the uh, the the people with the cards in their seats that they hold up that, that are different cute. colors, and it spells out na, 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 na. I thought that was nice. I enjoyed that. Yeah. I, if I can, can I throw out um, a gripe on this particular song, though? And it's yeah. it's kind of a gripe about McCartney live show production in general. The video graphics <laughs> on display during this show, and it's been like this for a long time. Did you used to have, when you were, because I know there's a little bit of an age gap between us, Sam. Um, do you remember Winamp? Was Winamp a media player for you? Okay. No. In the late 90s, early 2000s, before the days of iTunes as, you know, like your chief uh, music player software, there was a software called Winamp. And Winamp had this like graphic visualizer. And it was basically these like cheesy laser looking graphics that kind of reacted to the <laughs> songs. Um, and that it, it looks like that is the same video footage that Paul is using on stage at his shows. And that are, I think the PlayStation 2 did something similar. Like when you put a CD in, there'd be this weird visualizer. Yeah, like it's just kind of going this, like, down a canyon. Nebulous looking. Yeah. yeah. It's very yeah. weird. And that, like, every, <laughs> every time we've seen them, I'm like, these graphics look kind of old. <laughs> like, I remember this from, like, when I was in high school. Um, and uh, they've got them here. Like, when he starts Hey Jude, there's just kind of like this blue ring that just starts below him on the. That makes no sense. Uh, and then it just repeats. And then, like, as they hit the end of Hey Jude, it's like a picture of the Statue of Liberty. Um, and when they're doing, like, Drive My Car, it's like, pictures of cars and videos of cars um and i just feel like his graphics are always kind of lame <laughs> for lack of a better word um that's interesting and, yeah they, they were they were they were quite good when i saw him though one of them for one of the songs i can't remember which 
uh, was just footage from Beatles Rock Band, which I thought was quite funny. Yeah, I thought that was weird. Uh, <laughs> I remember that. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, yeah I, I felt like some of the graphics were kind of weird, kind of like crappy. <laughs> you heard it here, folks. Jonathan hates the gig. He hated the gig. <laughs> you that. He's trashed it, trashed the whole thing. Ranking the Beatles does not like McCartney at the Super Bowl. You heard it here. Um, you I know do what? think. Let's, um, let's, okay, sorry. Let's uh, let's phrase this uh, in a, a different way. Would we like to see McCartney do the Super Bowl again? Mm. No, I'm going to say no. Fair enough. No, no, that's fair. I mean, it, it it could be too potentially dangerous for his image if it if it yeah. wasn't resonant enough, and yeah. it could be particularly mournful, and people probably wouldn't. Get yeah, it. I, I think. Uh, well, I think now he's, he's he's. I hate to say it, but he's too old. Like. The demographic isn't necessarily there for an 80-year-old. Like, he's only uh, 10 or so years behind, like, Tony Bennett at this point. Um, and I, I just don't... I mean, and, and granted, like, he's he's still Paul McCartney. He's still amazing. But, like, it, it, he he's not in the peak form that he was there. Um, you know, and I would hate, hate, hate to see... Remember when he played at the SNL 40th anniversary thing? Uh, and he did yeah. Maybe I'm Amazed. And like his, his voice just was not there that night. And he got dragged for it. And it changed a lot of people's uh, perception of where he is. And mm. I don't necessarily think that's always fair because, you know, TV mixes are notoriously bad. You don't know the we don't know if he had a cold that day, if he had, you know, a throat thing. Um I just I wouldn't want to see him, you know, get dragged like that again at this point where I think he's enjoying very well deserved uh um re uh I guess what's what I'm looking for. Um he's enjoying a really well deserved renaissance and an yeah. appreciation of him outside of just being like old grandpa Paul. People are finally looking back and going, this guy is a fucking genius he is literally the greatest artist that we'll ever see in our lifetimes like we don't need anything else to tarnish that like let him enjoy this victory lap overall though we enjoyed this gig though you thought oh, yeah. these these four songs were okay-ish at the least yeah no it, it's i think it's great yeah yeah it's it's really it is enjoyable i really really enjoyed it um i think also one just one other note that i had um Actually, I'll give you two notes here. Uh, I think this shows how great this live band is. Like, they're so tight and so strong. Um, and they add, like, some heaviness and weight to the songs. Um, and it sounds modern without sounding modern or, like, of the time. Like, mm, there's that time definitely. in, like, you know, the off the ground, you know, late 80s, early 90s, where he tried to sound, like, kind of current in production. And even in the stage show, it sounds very current. And that makes it sound dated after that. Mm -hmm. And now, because we're, you know, almost 20 years on from this gig, it doesn't necessarily sound dated, even though it's from 2005. Uh, and I think this kind of band has kept him always seeming somewhat current and not sliding into that like adult contemporary or like, you know, dad rock. It kind of keeps Paul and that music, you know, in, uh, timeless, which I think is really important. Um, I think also the other thing that I really enjoyed watching this, especially in the documentary, um, when you see them going, like getting ready to like getting ready to go on stage and he's in like the hallway mm -hmm. and they're kind of warming up 
and then they're walking to the stage. He never looks jaded before he goes on stage. It's never like, like, come on, like, there's none of that just like, I've done it before, like, let's just cash the check, baby, get me back to the plane. He genuinely seems excited to go play. Um, and I think that's super cool because like, the guy has done everything under the sun. You wouldn't think he'd have a reason to be excited to do anything, but whether it's mm. this gig or, you know, seeing him, you know, just walk on stage for any other gig that he does, he genuinely looks excited and enthused to be there. And I think that is one of the things I love the most about him is it shows that like how much he actually loves playing music and making music. Um, and that makes everything, I think, more, more fun for him. And then in turn, more fun for us. Um, did you have any other selections for the final song? Or the final mm. two, was it? Um, you know, I think Hey Jude's got to be there. I think Live and Let Die, you maybe could have done Band on the Run, or you maybe could have done Jet. Let Me Roll It, maybe? Uh, I don't think that's well known enough. No. I think that's tough. I love it, yeah. but I don't think that that would land very well. Yeah. I also, I also feel like to some extent... You know, if I'm looking at completely redoing the set list, I maybe would have done Hey Jude third and closed with a rocker like I saw her standing there. That's what I have here, but my closer is Helter Skelter. Just, oh, just okay. Yeah. The house down. yeah, you're right. I could have gotten the house with that. Down. I could have gotten with that. And maybe, maybe that's where he brings out a guest. You know, maybe that's yeah. where like a Dave Grohl comes out or someone yeah. like that to really like take it home and like just drive some shit into your skull and just nail it. Like that would have been tight. I could have gotten down with that. Oh, who was the alter ego of that country Western star we were discussing? <laughs> Chris Gaines. <laughs> that's where you bring out Chris Gaines for healthy stuff. <laughs> Oh, my God. Oh, man. <laughs> and, and on that note, ladies and gentlemen, we have reached the <laughs> end of this discussion, review, chitter-chatter concerning the 39th or something like that uh, Super, Super Bowl halftime show. Which uh, the February Patriots went on to win, and uh, most of America went, Jesus Christ, the fucking Patriots. Because... Uh, <laughs> We all hate the Patriots. Are they like the <laughs> Manchester United of football then? They just win all the time. Yeah, so, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. Um, Tom Brady. Because they cheat. Yeah, they, they are huge cheaters. <laughs> um, <laughs> the, for, for real, like they had a whole thing um, where like they were found like filming practices of other teams like undercover. Um, and then one year they were found like deflating the balls like on the sidelines. Like they're all, there's always some kind of like bullshit going sounds on. Sounds like true patriots if you ask me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well played, Sam. You know what else I did find There's the really man funny? in a red hat. <laughs> I did find oh really funny gosh. um before they're even off the field, they're all in bathrobes. Did you notice that? I have to go back and check that out. Like, just if you watch, watch the documentary, before Paul is off the field... I don't think they're nude under the bathroom. No, 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 no. They're all, they're all in matching black bathrobes. <laughs> and then, like, they're in the elevator, and they've got these robes on. And I'm like, guys, you just played four songs in February outdoors in Florida, where it's probably a really nice, like, 65 degrees. You're not... If they're all wearing them, you have to think, like, wonder if it's maybe a joke. I'm like, sure, like, it's their post-show thing is, like, everyone gets in a bathroom. But, comfy. like, guys, it's it's four songs. Come on, man. Like, <laughs> nobody worked up a sweat here. Like, 
four songs and you get a bathroom. There was a lot of pyro. They might have. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Look, guys, I don't, I don't want to wear the bathrobes, but you know, Abe bought them. And, you know, he, he put, he put a lot of thought into them. I don't want to obsess him. Just, just, just wear them. But God, another, another bathrobe for me. I <laughs> another bathroom, another another tool. And then like Abe come Abe comes around like, I want to see you still got them, Paul. Show me where they are in your, in your wardrobe right now. No. no one asked for these, Abe. <laughs> oh God. I love it. <laughs> Thank you. Right. Have uh, what's 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 coming up from uh, from ranking the Beatles? Then are we are we are we gonna complete the uh, tenacious D duo? Are we gonna get oh. Jack Black on? Come on, what's going on? I would love to. Um, I haven't asked, but um, I probably will. I'm, I'm wait. I, w- I do want to follow up and try to make that happen. I don't know if it will happen, uh, but maybe Kyle will come back because we had a great time with Kyle. Um, and I know that there's, so they're supposed to do so something good. later this year, so I'll, I'll have to check on that. But what's coming up from us? Um, more episodes, more rankings, um, just more of the same. We have a new website that Julia built. Yes. yes. Uh, she learned to be a web designer in the last year. So if you go to rankingthebeatles.com, everything is there. Um, we are currently working on- It's, it's not fancy, just so like- Fancy I can- Let's yeah. manage your expectations before you visit the website. <laughs> you did great. We're gonna use the term web designer very loosely. <laughs> <laughs> um, we do have something coming soon, um, allowing our friends to rank their own Beatles. Oh, fantastic. A little something that I've been working on uh, that I'm very excited about that I think will be a lot of fun. Um, what else? I think that's about it for the most part. We're just... Plugging along. Plugging along, doing, doing <laughs> the thing, the you know? Song. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, trying to uh, keep up with the uh, rest of the Beatles podcast world. Aren't we all? Aren't we all? It's a, yeah. it's, it's a slog, isn't it's it? It's so much fun, though. Uh, but what's great is, like, I can sit here at my at my desk, because this is, like, where I work and this is where I do podcasting. Uh, but here's, like, my recent Teetles 10. And I can sit here when I'm tired of work and just start thumbing through the Teetles. I'm going, This is not Macca in your attic. Fun. Come on. This is, <laughs> this is Paul or nothing. That's a different format. Come on. Right, everyone. This has been my chat with... My proper chat, my planned chat with the Ranking the Beatles podcast, Jonathan and Julia. Thank you so much for joining me for this halftime show. We did it. The White House dis- discussion. We actually did it. Excellent. Thank you so much. Thank Everyone, you. thank you for watching another episode or listening to the episode of Paul or Nothing. Thanks. Most. The time when it would hurt them the most. Super Bowl time.